0: This is Be Heard, right here on WHCR, 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem.
1: Welcome to an action-packed episode of Be Heard Talk. Forgive me if I'm saying an old show name. It's because we just rebranded, and I'm very excited about it, but it's still taking some time to get used to the new name. We are Be Her Talk. We talk about politics. We talk about social issues. We talk about social justice. We connect it to hip hop and urban culture in a way that everybody can understand and appreciate. My name is Stanley Fritz. I am the engineer and a local IT guy during this quarantine pandemic moment. And I'm in a good mood because I got some good music ready to play for y'all. And I'm here with my partners in the station. If you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz or on IG at Stan Fritz or on Snapchat, where I don't really go unless I want to get the thought filter and then post it on IG. That's where I really be at. See me in the streets. Tammy, what's shaking?
2: What's up, y'all? It's Tammy, David, your latest problematic fave. Um, I'm still refusing to vote for Biden in November 2020. I've decided that, like all men, Biden is gonna have to simp for me on progressive policies if he wants my attention and my vote. So sup, y'all. Come at me if you're mad. Um, and if you're not put off by my loud mouth and my stubborn attitude, you can find me at Miss David If You Nasty on Instagram, where I'll give you my Twiddle handle, but only if you're cool enough. Sup,
0: Selena. That was such a bomb intro. Like I <laughs> Next time, I gotta go first because I can't top that. Hey guys, my name is Selena Hill. Super happy to be here. Uh, you can follow me Instagram and Twitter at Miss Selena Hill. I'm also happy to talk everything from Biden to Teddy Riley to everything else that's pretty much on our timelines at this time. Um, and if you guys are new to Be Her Talk, this is the show where we talk. Politics, race, and culture. And we do that from an an unapologetic perspective. And, you know, today's show is going to be just as amazing as every show. Um, Maybe have some technicals, hopefully not as bad as Teddy Riley did last night, but I'm going to throw it over to Tammy, who's going to kick
2: things off with the news roundup. Word. Thanks, Selena. So guys, as always, before we get into today's awesome main show, it's time for us to go through the news roundup where we cover stories that even your mom's is talking about. (laughs) Stay tuned, okay? Um, Today, we're going to talk about how an old-school, royal, hip-hop battle sesh proved that you're not the only one with connectivity issues that'll embarrass you, okay? (laughs) Um, We're also going to give you an update on this year's possibly canceled Hot Girl and City Boy Summer. Uh, No, I
1: ran three miles today. It's Hot City Boy Summer is staying.
2: Stanley, we're going to have to duke this out because we can't argue with experts.
1: (laughs) True. And
2: lastly, we're going to put you on to the latest demands and celebration from Black Twitter. Okay, so first off, We gotta get it started with Teddy Riley and Babyface. Guys, two hip hop and R&B legends faced off last night on IG Live, throwing their fans like Selena all the way back to the hot 90s until Teddy Riley forfeited according to Twitter with his ratchet internet. But (laughs) people were still having the time of their lives. Selena, if you guys don't follow her, you need to follow her. Her her story last night was popping at Miss Selena Hill. How much fun were you having last night? Thank you so much for that, Tammy. Again, great intro. Um,
0: Yeah, so I was having fun until the actual uh, battle started. So I was so hyped about seeing Teddy Riley go face-to-face with Twitter With his ratchet. And reason being is because... Number one, like, I'm a huge fan of Teddy Riley's music. Obviously, he created New Jack Swing. um, And Babyface, who has written and produced music from everyone, from Whitney Houston to Madonna. And I've seen both perform live. And I will say I had more fun watching Teddy Riley perform. But nonetheless, I in my my heart of hearts, I knew Babyface was going to kill it last night. So I posted all the footage from, like, all the times that I've seen them perform live. And I was like, yo, get your outfits ready. Like, I felt like I was hyping it up, like I worked with Swiss Beats. Nonetheless, soon as we start, 9 o'clock, I'm there. And Babyface doesn't log on until about, like, 9.20. So you hear, like, you see Teddy Riley setting up the live. And I'm like, why are they still setting up? Number one, he was doing, like, a mic check. And then number two... Then they were like, "Oh, how do we get how do we get um Babyface to join the live?" So then they were like, "All these people, people huh?
1: 400,000 people were in there waiting for the smoke."
0: Right, right. So again, in the anticipation is building, the crowd was building. Teddy Riley literally flew in family. He had a backup dancer, a DJ, and a drummer. He had all of this going on, but he was doing way too much and what happened was everything flopped because He, We couldn't hear him. He was trying to produce a concert, and the sound quality was trash. Meanwhile, the whole time, Babyface was like, look, man, I'm ready. Look, man, I got the hits. Babyface has one button, boom, classic, boom, classic. And then meanwhile, Teddy Riley's up there with his backup dancer, you know, breaking it down, doing everything. And we're like, bro, we can't hear you.
1: Yo, listen, Selena. I was very excited for this as well. Because I just knew that this beat battle was going to be the beat battle of all beat battles. And you know what I heard instead? I heard a lot of connectivity issues. I heard people having sound issues. And this is all I really wanted to hear the whole time. This is all. Mm. Yeah, boy. They never dropped it. They never dropped it. And like, you know what? You see how you started dancing? I was expecting to be dancing and having fun in my room and enjoying it. And then I thought that Teddy Riley was gonna come through and just hit him with one of these over here. You know what? I like the chaos. And he didn't. No, no doubt. Why not though? He didn't hit him with any of that. He hey, didn't you know really? why? Oh my god. It would start like this, Tammy. Like you were, you were here, right? It was, it was like, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? (laughs) Can you hear me? And his mansions in the back like this. (laughs) Yeah. When I tell you I was sick, I was sick.
2: Oh, my gosh. And Tony Braxton,
1: BP. Bianca, Tony Braxton was going ham on Twitter. You're right about that.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that roast energy. But we all been there, though. Like, we can't be mad. Technology is hard. And they were trying.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. It was like... I, you would think that they would have learned their lesson from the, from the um, RZA versus Supreme battle because it had sound issues, too. But the best part of all of this is when Babyface, who was a dark-skinned man, left a light-skinned video saying, you know, I wrapped my hair up and let's just try to battle another day. And then Swiss Beats and Timbaland, two of like the twin towers of like hip-hop production, got on IG Live to slander Teddy Riley's team. And be like, yo, man, I don't know what was going on. We did a practice session. This should have been good. Teddy was just doing too much. And when you see his brother, you know, you was just doing a lot. All you needed was a speaker, one speaker. You would need all those people there. It was hilarious.
2: Word. Well, Teddy Riley and that whole debacle was exactly why we do Zoom test runs, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly why. All right. I'm hoping, Selena, can you hit yeah. me up next time? Next time, yes. there's like, oh, thank you. Absolutely. I got to be in the loop, y'all, because I feel like even grandmama's talking about last night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm be in on it. Um, Speaking of fun IGs that we should be keeping track of, um, Cardi B, as usual, has been a beacon of education, empowerment, and information as this show strives to be in this coronavirus crisis. And once again, she went live with Bernie Sanders on IG last week to talk about, you know, what's the updates to reopening things like Mm -hmm. why why aren't we getting the tests we need and how it's affecting poc communities um selena are you did you see that are you into bernie's like becoming a social media politician right now
0: First of all, Bernie is any and everything that he wants to be. And the fact that he is really taking advantage of his base by speaking to them on social media just goes to show how in tune he's been, right? So we know that he's done a great job in energizing young progressives, particularly young people of color. And obviously, if you want to talk to us, you need to meet us where where we are, and that's social media. And then he gets our reigning queen, Cardi B, And they have a live, and I was just like, yes, yes, and yes. The reason being because, again, Cardi B represents a a population, a demographic of people who have long been um, silent, muted, and forgotten about, right? She is very vocal about coming from the Bronx and, you know, living in an underprivileged area, and now she has catapulted into superstardom. Nonetheless, she has never forgotten her roots and she uses her platform to talk about the issues that matter in her community to this day. And Bernie Sanders, who has always been for the working class, said, why not? Let's have these conversations with Cardi B on live. And mind you, months ago, Cardi B and Bernie Sanders had a sit down where they, uh, they had this interview in person. So I'm very happy that Bernie has continued to show that he is connected to our communities and he is listening to what we have to say.
2: Word, that is real hot girl energy of Bernie to like team up with (laughs) Cardi. Stan, I know you posted Cardi's last rant where she was talking about like how the joblessness is gonna like really affect the same people that were supporting Trump. What did you think of this rant? Do you think she was laying out like real talk?
1: Um, so I didn't get to see too much of it. I just saw when Bernie got on and then like he was complimenting her nails and then she was like, his nails looked rough. So I didn't get to see that. But I really do love Cardi B's political analysis. She's like, I mean, not everyone has a political analysis and that's fine. We all, it all takes time for one to develop. But like, she's spot on with the issue. She really, really is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the clip that Tim, you're talking about, I have it here. If Selena will allow me, I'll actually play the clip and has some curses in it, though.
0: Uh, yeah, that's fine
1: all right cool so i'll put a clip so folks can hear it real quick
0: okay i don't know i don't know, I don't know if redneck is like an offensive term i'm not trying to offend nobody and everything but let me tell you something poor white america that voted for 45 y'all not even getting taken care of y'all up just like us he lied to you he lied to you he lied to you Hey, lied to you too!
3: You probably don't even like me because of my nationality or who I am and everything. And, you, and you're probably going to this man because your hatred towards my people is so big that you're not even realizing that you fucked up in a fucked up situation
0: that
2: we in.
1: I think Cardi B was pretty concise with her analysis and I would agree with her. What do you guys think? Uh,
2: honestly, okay, so I'm reading a comment from Bianca in the chat I definitely want to address and it's right on to finishing this story. So Sanders also, you know, in true hot boy fashion, he's also been live like a few other times this week, one of which was to endorse Joe Biden. Um, I thought it was a little too soon personally, but here's my take, right? Like progressives like me who didn't wanna vote for Biden, he needs to win over our vote. You know, like I think saying that, promising my vote, my voice, my choice, this early is a no from me because he needs to work for it. If he really wants to build the broad coalition that he's promising, if he's really following Obama's voice that you know elections need to look different in 2020 than they did in 2012, then let's talk about Medicare for all. Let's talk about eliminating student debt, especially since all the people who are about to be unemployed are people like myself with 60K in debt. Let's talk about all that before I promise my vote to a white man who ain't mm. for me ever.
1: Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> thank you, Cardi, for that analysis. And thank you, Bianca, for chiming in as always. You're amazing. Um, our next topic for the news roundup is another political one. We're going to talk about the US economy, the stay at home order and a possibly canceled summer. So guys, this week, Trump as usual spoke out his behind about (laughs) opening the US again on May 1st. So experts quickly came to shut him up, including Dr. Fauci, announcing dire predictions that without a vaccine or any form of treatment, the US will not return to life as normal without social distancing until 2021. Twenty. 20- 21. Several regions of the U.S. have already banded together, forming coalitions in the East Coast, the West Coast, and now in the Midwest to gather resources to provide more testing and conduct research of the spread to better determine when they can open back up their states. But it's proving to be a mission that is months and not weeks away in the making. Meanwhile, conservatives are taking to the streets protesting, saying that they've had enough and they're demanding their freedom and basically their right to party. Now, Stanley, I know you and I are the ones, you know, getting snatched, running, biking for Hot Girl and Hot Boy Summer 2020. How are you feeling about the news that we might not be able to flex till 2021? (laughs) Oh, you're muted.
1: Sorry about that. I don't care if it's just me waking up early to go to the supermarket to wait online to pick up some almond milk. And some extra food. I've been running three, like every other day. I'm gonna look great by June, July, and I haven't been drinking alcohol. I'm going out there in a crop top mm-hmm. and some shorts. You're gonna get these legs, you're gonna get this, these abs. I'm not doing this for no reason. Hot Boy Summer is coming, and I will be drinking Hennessy while waiting on that line yes we're doing this
2: yes representation (laughs) selena what about you i know you've been quarantined the longest out of all of us so i can't even imagine like how much you're dying to get out are you gonna break quarantine if they can't give us a date
0: (laughs) absolutely not first of all i've seen reports that say that We should not have any type of large scale events, sporting events or concerts until fall 2021. So when we say 2021, they're thinking fall, not top of January, guys. That's number one. Number two, I've also seen reports that say that uh, we should continue social distancing until 2022. I have spoken to a number of medical experts who say that do not expect a a vaccine, uh, you know, let alone a cure for another 18 months until our government proves that they can protect us and most importantly most vulnerable people by giving us adequate testing and 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 ventilators and everything else that we need i do not think we should relax these guidelines because the reports show that black people are dying at an alarming rate across this country 70 percent in places like louisiana and chicago even though Uh, Black people are the minorities in both of these areas. Even in Milwaukee, the fatality rate against African-Americans for uh, African-Americans is like 71%. So again, it is our communities that are being vaguely, uh, uh, vastly affected. And I want to add this. Only two states have committed to releasing a full report of uh, racial data concerning their COVID-19 cases. Guess which states those are? You won't be, you won't be able to guess them. It's Kansas and Illinois. Get out of here. Yes. So what is happening is there. So there's three different categories when you want to break down COVID-19 cases. It's the testing. Sorry. (laughs) It's the testing. (laughs) It's the confirmed cases and it's the deaths. Even though states are putting this information out there, when it comes to the racial breakdown, only Kansas and Illinois have released uh, that, that, that data. And in order to adequately supply the communities that need the most resources, governments need to be transparent. So if they're not gonna release the data about who's getting tested and who's not, and if they're not gonna release the data about the deaths and the confirmed cases, then we should not be taking steps to relax social guidelines,
2: if you ask me.
1: I mean, I was just trying to be a that, Selena, but now you got me feeling guilty. I know, <laughs> like right? I'm, I'm like, fan. wow, I'm trash.
2: <laughs> There's, like, a meme. I don't know if I can say this on air, but I'm going to say it on air anyway. There's a meme with, like, a lady pulled over in her car by a cop, and it's like, ma'am, dick is not an essential good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <No>, I've seen... <laughs> and I'm literally, like... Somebody said on Twitter, if the, if the quarantine goes on for another two weeks, I'm breaking it to go get some. Yo. For- it's, it's, people are struggling out here. By the way, we haven't shouted out the folks who are in the, um, who are watching on Zoom or on Facebook Live. So shout out to Christian, to Claude, to James, Janae, Rachel, all you guys. Uh, make sure you do the poll we got going on right now. The poll question is, will you break the quarantine if it goes into the summer? Um, so far, we've got about six responses and three of them actually four of them say no, and then two of them say not sure just yet. So some people are thinking about it. And also we got questions coming in the Q and A. Let's keep this conversation rocking. Um, We got folks on Facebook Live as well. Shout out to um, my queen, Marilyn, who's on Facebook Live watching us right now. Amy for watching us on Facebook Live. Um, Who else is over here? Um, I see Yonza Summers, thank you so much. So I'm gonna stop rambling about who's watching, but let's go ahead guys.
2: Word, and to wrap up the news roundup, don't get depressed about a canceled city summer because Black Twitter has got your back on entertainment.
1: Oh, sorry guys.
2: It's okay. (laughs) Black Twitter's got your back on entertainment. So let's go around and shout out some stuff we've seen on Black Twitter, um, some stuff we've been watching, some announcements. Um, I know personally, Black Twitter has been popping, giving me recommendations like Insecure. Stanley, anything fun on Black Twitter for you?
1: Yo, so Insecure is obviously, like, the show that I've been watching a lot. But it was another show. Why am I forgetting it in a moment? Black
2: AF. Black AF. Oh,
1: yeah, Black. That's exactly what I've been watching. Black AF with Kenya Barris and Rashida Jones and their multiracial children cast. And I thought the show was okay. I Like, it's funny. They're kind of like horrible people. It's like Black Arrested Development a little bit. But <laughs> a lot of folks were upset that Rashida Jones is playing the mom. And apparently people didn't know that she was Black, even though her dad is Quincy Jones. I guess I'm old enough to know that. Um, and I know people were upset that a lot of the kids, like, there's not a lot of true dark-skinned people on that show or on any show that Kenya Burris really does. And that's something new that I've learned that, like, folks have, like, actually not watched these shows actively because there's not real representation of dark-skinned people. I want to know what you guys thought about that.
2: Word. And Selena, on yeah. your Twitterverse, was popping? Yeah, no, for
0: sure. Um, you know, just to respond to what, you know, Stanley was saying about Kenya verse uh, Barris, uh, he's been really unapologetic about the lack of representation in his, his, his series. Um, again, colorism is a real thing. And we need to get over the fact that, you know, light is right. You know, it's just that, you know, show that more diversity. I mean, he's been getting a lot of slack. And I think his argument is, well, this is how my family looks and stuff like that. But it's like, if, you know, actors of color, especially those who are dark skinned, if they can't even get work in our own productions, what are we, you know, like, come on. This is why we have our own platforms. This is why we have our own shows. It's to give opportunities to others, especially those who are most marginalized in our communities. So again, like brother, I hear you, but make the right decision and give some people work because how else are they gonna really make a living?
1: I mean, so it's either like Kenya Barris show, you just barely made a cut as a dark-skinned person because you're not really dark-skinned, or you're gonna be an evil dark-skinned person on a Tyler Perry show or movie. Those are your two options right now, huh? If you're a black person,
2: yeah, unfortunately. basically. That kind of and sick. it's sad. And Selena, I know you mentioned something about Twitter calling for Obama to do the commencement this year. Can you Absol- tell us about that? Yes, there is a massive
0: call. People want President Obama to uh, deliver a national online commencement speech to all the class of 2020 since they can't really have a traditional graduation this year so uh this high school kid tweeted it out and it went viral I mean obviously Obama is back in effect he did this whole 12 minute video endorsing uh Joe Biden and like backhandedly praising Bernie Sanders um so I'm like if he can do that then yeah I think he should give something to the kids like Honestly, I miss a, a president who's coherent and, you know, rational thinking. And, you know, he may not have done everything correctly. I didn't agree with every single policy and every single move he made. But I, I miss someone who I genuinely felt was cared about, you know, this country, cared about humanity, and wasn't all about them, his, his own ego. So, yes, Obama, please give us a speech.
1: I mean, sure. But, like... What? I mean, if, I guess, like, sure, like, it's nice, but I ain't really too pressed for a speech from Obama right now. I'd much rather get Trump out of office. I'm yeah, not saying but it's too- not
2: for you, though. It's for all the <laughs> students who are, like, suffering. You know what I'm like? Oh. I mean, ima- yo, imagine how you feel. You're 17, you're literally dripping in hormones. You were so <laughs> looking forward to maybe. Hold the girl you've been crushing on all semester, all year at prom. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to get your degree, but, like, at what cost? You know what I mean? Like, they just need a little something to lift them up. So, honestly.
1: Janae says, oh, they'll be okay. I No,
2: I'm I'm out here for these young kids at Obama. You better do that
1: speech, okay? (laughs) Man, F them kids. They'll be all right. Listen, (laughs) I graduated from college when the economy was collapsing. No one can have Did you
0: say F them kids, Stanley? Yes.
1: Yes. All right, grumpy
0: grandpa. Stanley's a grumpy grandpa.
1: I'm telling you, man. (laughs) I'm just speaking the truth. Y'all don't want to hear the truth about what's going on out here in these streets. But it's true,
2: (laughs) man. Well, thank you for sharing your truth, Stanley. And thanks, y'all, for staying tuned for the News Roundup stories. Follow us at Be Heard Talk. And during your week, if anything comes up that you want us to talk about, DM us reach out to us and we might just put you on our show. Now for the main topic, Selena, give us the rundown.
0: Thank you so much for that, Tammy. So yeah, images and videos of Africans sleeping on the streets in China have caused massive outrage online. According to reports, African nationals and African Americans are being barred from restaurants and evicted from hotels and their homes by landlords as China tries to prevent the resurgence of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, despite the fact that many had no recent travel history or no known contact with a COVID-19 patient, hundreds of Africans in Gangzhou, China, have been forced to quarantine for 14 days. And I even heard one woman say that after the 14-day quarantine, they have to do another one. Now, these reports, images, and videos have become a flashpoint to a broader debate about racism, racial profiling, and discrimination, particularly against Black people in China. The racial tensions actually began to escalate after Chinese officials warned about the rising number of imported coronavirus cases. As the central government put pressure on local cities to minimize the number of imported cases in Guangzhou which happens to be home to Asia's largest African migrant population, suddenly, Gangzhou became the front line of China's renewed battle to uh, prevent the spread of COVID-19. Notably, local authorities have identified Africa as the source of the largest number of imported COVID-19 cases. Amongst all foreign cases identified in Gangzhou, 76% 76% have been from African countries, including 36% from, Nigerian, from Nigeria alone. However, make no mistake, in Chinese society, implicit racism and discrimination against Africans and Black people is nothing new. The COVID-19 has brought this tension to new levels, and in the case of Gangzhu, which falsely presents Africans as a direct threat to the safety and security of the local Chinese people. So, in response, a Ugandan politician and uh, musician, Bobby Wine, he teamed up with the co founder of Atlanta Black Star to airlift Africans and African Americans out of China since they're being subjected to inhumane treatment. So, in today's episode on Be Heard Talk, we're going to talk about what's going on in China and how this is reflective of the anti-Black sentiment we see globally. We also have two very special guests who will be chiming in in a little bit. But before they come on, I wanna start this conversation by getting the team's reaction to what's going on in China. Stanley, what was your reaction to the news that Africans are being evicted, mistreated, and banned from establishments in China?
1: I mean, there's been issues for a long time um, in in China, not just like with black people, but like there's been some issues with Muslim people as well. But like the fact of the it matter is it's less about Corona and it's more about anti-blackness nationally. And that's, in my opinion, it's not a Chinese problem. That's not an Asian problem. That's a world problem. And that's a problem that we have because of white supremacy. And, you know, when things get tough, unfortunately, the easiest the easiest thing to do is go after like the lowest rung. And the lowest rung, no matter where you go, socially and culturally worldwide, are is black and brown people. And that's what's happening. That's, that's what I think is happening. I wasn't too surprised because we always know the trend is coming, just where it's gonna land and who's gonna be the, the oppressor in this case.
0: Tammy, are you surprised by these, support, by
2: these reports? Nope, nope. I actually, so I used to have a job where I worked for this Jamaican woman out in New Jersey, shout out Mm. Elsie, my first real mentor. Um, And she's a black woman that runs an educational homestay business on Elsie's homestays. She works primarily with black clients and my first real dip into the professional world was her telling me that her own clients and business partners discriminated against her and were often surprised and Unpleasantly shocked to meet her and discover that she was black because her name was Elsie and she talks white with air quotes. So yeah, I've been new that China doesn't really rock with black people like that. It's disappointing, but it's not surprising.
0: Absolutely, you know, I have to agree with you guys. I would say that I was not surprised, but then there was some element of surprise for me only because China has been relentless in their efforts to consolidate ties and enhance economic opportunities with with Africa. And they also sent medical equipment and doctors to Africa during the crisis. However, that being said, to me, this goes to show that China, like the U.S., values the black dollar, but not black people. Um, Another story that went viral is the fact that McDonald's in China, uh, they had a sign saying black people cannot enter here. That sign said, and I quote, black people are not allowed to enter. Now, since that story went viral, McDonald's has shut down that branch. Um, however, you know, this is still a, a point of a conversation. This is still a point of, of controversy. And on top of that, an African man said that he had to leave a McDonald's in Guangzhou. Tammy, what do you think about McDonald's's response to uh, what's happening in China, particularly at that branch?
2: I mean, I just... I am always disappointed when personal bias gets in the way of scientific reaction to something. Like, it really kills me that a whole multinational, multibillion, corporate conglomerate can allow this kind of reaction. Even though it's one branch, and you know, the views may not necessarily represent what happens. That is a huge corporation. And that statement is just unacceptable because it makes it okay in mainstream practice. Kids who see that message thinks, think it's okay to practice anti-black sentiment and behaviors in their schools, and it reinforces stereotypes that black people in China, living in China, doing business in China, have been actively trying to dismantle. So I think. was incredibly irresponsible and quite frankly painful for the people that patronize that McDonald's and have to see it every day.
0: Absolutely. So without further ado, I'm calling on Nina Arden to join the conversation. She is the senior consultant with the United Nations. She also grew up in Gangzhou, China. Um, And I want Nina to join this conversation in particular because I want to know what is what's really driving these racial tensions between Africans and local Chinese people in China.
3: Thank you so much for having me on. Um, just want to clarify one small thing: it's Guangzhou, and that, oh, um, Guangzhou.
0: Thank you, thank you so no much. No problem,
3: no problem. The ZH is always like a J type deal, so got this, it. I want to touch on the history a little bit because that's super, super interesting. Um, it's not a recent development, and you know, you know, it's cool that you know BP. say that no traditional racism. When I'm in China, all they do is stare and ask to take pictures of you. I have that reverse because I'm half Chinese and half German. So they see me and they fetishize me. They think I'm exotic. They want to be. They want to be. Uh, they want me to be a model for them. So that is there's a very clear divide between like white worship and anti-blackness and that happened in 1990s. So China's economy was in the double g- digits due to manufacturing. Thousands of African traders came to Guangzhou specifically. It's the largest trading hub. It's also where I grew up. And so by 2012, there was more than hundred thousand Africans who arrived on tourist visas, produced cheap goods, and exported it back to uh, West Africa, which is primarily Nigeria and Angola to sell in African markets. And in 2009, 2012, we saw some extreme riots because of police brutality, um, where two African men jumped out of buildings to escape police. Their communities rallied around them and said, you know, this is not right. And they surrounded all of the local precincts. So this is kind of like the riots came up. And so as a result, China said, sorry, you guys can't come in anymore. So they raided Xiaobei and Guangyuanxi neighborhoods and they looked specifically for African passports. And they said, Uh, you guys need to get out and they called it cleaning up the dirt and it involved restricting African immigration and one of the key moves was restricting Chinese visas to a maximum of two weeks which is not enough to complete business and they're also tearing apart African Chinese marriages by deporting. They're permanently banning the African husbands from returning and reuniting and the remaining Chinese wives and their children are shamed from the neighborhoods. So this is just like a long this is the latest symptom of a long line of xenophobia and racism against African people, and the history traces back to 2009. There's even a phrase called gui lao, which is uh, called foreign ghost, but the black version of that is hei gui, which is black devil, which is mm-hmm. infinitely worse.
0: Um, you know, Thank you so much for giving that assessment, Nina. Um, so you know, that being said, what should the Beijing government do to combat these targeted attacks that black people are facing in China
3: The thing is, at the core, I don't think the Beijing government would really care. And the reason why I say that is because it's not that they don't care about the African life, but they don't care about foreigners at all. So even for myself, I'm a German national. I haven't been able to go back in years. You know, I was born there. I grew up there, I'm not welcome back. So what they're doing right now is they're simply just saying, you're a foreigner, you're out, sorry. Mm. Wow! Wow!
0: Thank you so much for that, Nina. Um, I know we have another special guest uh who is on the line. We have um, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. Please correct me. Um, Kyoung Ji Cha who is a native of Seoul, South Korea. She migrated to the U.S. at the age of 12, and she currently works as a page designer at Wall Wolf- at the Wall Street Journal. However, her opinion here today does not reflect her her uh her work of establishment so i want to call on her because you know based on what nina is saying and the conversation we're having now what does this say about racism and colorism in asian cultures
4: um first of all thanks for having me here uh my name is pronounced kyung it's fine (laughs) um so i so when the coronavirus thing was starting I think a lot of Asians, including myself, it was no brainer. We saw the, you know, anti-Asian sentiment surfacing strong yet again, as it always does with, you know, bird flu or SARS, et cetera. But I didn't see the anti-Blackness coming out so strong, even though I'm so aware of existence of anti-Blackness. But I think seeing how this seemingly unrelated perception you know, making the spotlight so quickly really does show how ingrained anti-Blackness is as a global Mm. phenomenon and Mm. crime and injustice. Mm. Um, So wasn't surprised at all. But boy, that just escalated to a whole another level. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as we're seeing these escalations, you know, one thing I'm seeing the Chinese government do, which we touched on a little earlier, is they're trying to develop Uh, different properties and economic opportunities in Africa. So what I'm Mm -hmm. seeing Beijing and the government doing, they are completely denying that Africans are being discriminated against Mm -hmm. in their country. To me, one of the first things I need to do is acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. I mean, instead of continuing to point to, you know, what's happening on U.S. soil, which I've seen some government, some Chinese government officials do, I think we need to get to a point where we acknowledge that. Do you see, these conversations happening in Asian communities—are have we gotten to the point where we could acknowledge anti-black racism at all?
4: No, not at all. And they're not the the Asian community, East Asian community that is. I'm Korean, so I will not speak to Chinese communities and the diaspora specifically. But as if, within my personal knowledge, as a Korean American woman, I see that there's not enough conversation happening at all. And anti-blackness itself was never really a big conversation or it was never perceived. And if we have to, in order to talk about anti-blackness as a global injustice, they have to acknowledge anti-blackness as a domestic injustice first, because we already have histories and atrocities between those two communities, between black communities and Asian communities, that is not yet really resolved. So mm-hmm. I think we have to take ba- baby steps and those baby steps in itself are not taken yet.
0: Uh, Stanley, I know that we're getting some results in from the poll. Uh, wh- what's going on? What are people trying? Chim- what are people saying on our polls?
1: Sure. So we asked a question of whether um, China specifically has an anti-blackness problem. Um, and just give me two seconds over here. So the poll is still open if folks want to do it. But so far we've gotten seven responses. Do you believe that China has an anti-blackness issue? Um, six out of the seven people who Actually, sorry, um, six people said, yes, China has an anti-Blackness problem. Two people said, yes, but everyone does. And just mm. for context, for folks who are not sure what anti-Blackness is or what it means, I'll just look, going over here to get, to get a definition for you guys. So anti-Blackness is a name for the specific kind of racial prejudice directed towards Black people. Um, there's a tendency to lump all ethnic minorities together for, for ease or out of laziness, and anti-Blackness is a specific, like negative feelings and behavior towards black people and that can be black americans caribbean afro-caribbeans like myself afro-latinos um or folks who are straight from the motherland um in africa so it covers all those things
0: yeah no that also leads me to what's going on here in the u.s i mean there has been for lord i don't know how long an underlying tension between asian americans and black americans and, you know, Tammy, I want you to chime in here, because what do you think is really driving that this divide between these two
2: communities? So I personally think that it is beneficial to white supremacy to pit communities of color against each other. Like, it's very similar, Stanley, Sel- Selena, you're, you're in the Afro-Latina community, you know? So you see it all the time, how, like, you know, Latina women are exoticized by black folks and you know, there's kind of like this weird like we are together But we're not really one phenomenon and for me. It's a similar issue Where white America has pit us against each other put us in competition unfairly and kind of said, okay, it's not us doing this to you. It's them, you know, like it's horrible to see because our communities are taking the words of people who don't care about us and further marginalizing communities that, theoretically, we should be connecting with in order to upheave white supremacy. like. There are so many myths about the model minority stereotype that Asians face that black people continue to perpetuate because it benefits them in white supremacy. And there are so many stereotypes about danger and stealing, about the black community that Asian Americans continue to uphold. And ultimately, Ultimately, to me, there will be no solution until our communities educate ourselves from within and say, listen, we have to reach across the aisle. We have to get to know the other communities, not as others, but rather brothers and sisters in the fight for solidarity so that we can together dismantle this system that keeps us both oppressed.
1: Can I jump in real Mm. quick, because I want to put a super plus one that... But then also, because of anti-Asian discrimination and this quote-unquote fake model minority, like specific Asian communities are not getting the resources that they need because people in leadership assume that they're the model minority, they're doing great, even though the the cultural and racial group, I guess the cultural group that has the biggest poverty issue in New York State is actually the Asian community, and we don't send money there. I think last year in the New York State budget, We sent, like, maybe $15 million to do work specifically geared towards assisting Black and Latino communities, and the Asian community has got half a million dollars. That's it. And anti-Blackness is national and it's worldwide, but anti-Asian sentiment is rooted in anti-Blackness, which is the original anti-everything, and we're not going to get anywhere until we start working and communicating together as people. At the end of the day, the number one enemy should be white supremacy. Mm. And Asian people, no matter where, where in that concept they are from are our sisters and brothers and siblings, and we should be standing with them as far as I'm concerned.
0: Absolutely. You know, as we bring this conversation to a close, I want to bring Nina back into the conversation because, you know, Africans are are, are disadvantaged in China. A lot of them come from low socioeconomical communities. And, you know, the, fa- the fact that they're being evicted and sleeping on the streets, uh, it, it's it's it, it's hurting them even more so. Because they already came from, you know, they didn't come from equal footing in the first place. So I say that to say, what can and should be done so that we can bring these two communities of color together uh, in your perspective, especially in China?
3: So when you say bring these two communities, do you mean the uh, African communities together or what do you mean?
0: Yes, the African community and the Chinese community in China. Because again, like you said, in the in the city that you grew up in, they have a large population of African migrants. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm.
3: So the thing is, that's partly a lot of people from within Guangzhou have already started doing this, where they do speed dating events to facilitate cultural exchange. You know, I'm Eurasian, which means that my father is German, my mother's Chinese. So they didn't meet necessarily at a speed dating, but they want to facilitate like more um, flow between different cultures. So that's why there's a lot of Chinese and African marriages and kids coming out of that. But there's one thing I kind of want to touch on. A lot of this effort have to be coming from the communities themselves because the government is not going to help them. In fact, if you have an outside gathering of more than 10 people, it's considered illegal because it's not government sanctioned. So let's say me and 10 of my friends, which means 11 of us go out for a birthday party, I could be in jail. So Things like pan-African like circles and hangouts and stuff like this, you know, these kind of like food festivals where we see people introduce their own food and and you know facilitate that kind of cultural exchange. That can't happen in China. So the community has to take ownership. If they want to really learn about each other, they gotta do it themselves. They have to start something from within grassroots.
0: Thank you so much for that, Nina. Um, Kang, I want to get your thoughts too. What needs to be done to unite these communities of color?
4: I think Tammy summed it up pretty well. Um, and again, we're all human beings and we adapt to what we know, actually. And a lot of, you know, I believe that all racism has the same reason. is fear, it's ungu- this misguided anger, etc. But the problem stems from what group has the agency, accessibility and representation socioeconomically to make their racism actually have different scales of damage to our society. So we have to be aware of that. And we really have to talk to our own communities because I'm, you know, I'm not going to lecture about the histories of you know, LA riots and how that basically eroded any small relationship Korean-American community and Black community in LA had. I'm not going to do that, like, but I'm going to do that to my own community because like we have the, we have the closest and the best access to our own people. And I think we have to have those conversations within our groups internally so that we can have a better external relationship with each other
0: absolutely and as we bring this conversation to a close stanley i know we're getting some questions we have a few more minutes so we can get some more questions in
1: all right perfect so i just want to um bump up a question that um janae asked in the q a she goes are there asian american activists currently working on anti-blackness initiatives within their own communities i know that there are there's none that i can think of at the moment does anyone Mm -hmm. have any that they can mention
4: Uh, first of all, yeah, I was just typing an answer for there. Uh, me, (laughs) I was an activist, especially in San Francisco Bay Area. And one of the things I, me and other Asian American activists did was translating into various Asian languages. I translated into Korean for other elders within our community that this is a problem. Black people are being, being murdered by the police. I know we don't trust the police and I don't, I know we don't trust the, the black people. But there's a problem here and we need to be aware of this problem so that we can be an ally instead of perpetuating and be a sort of uh accomplice in this uh system uh so that's one thing you can do i've marched um in oakland to the alameda court uh there are definitely people um that i am i am aware of um who are for the black cause and we also have a very long history, actually, of Asians organizing for the Black cause. The Black Panther Party of Oakland, they were armed by a Japanese man, yep. Aoki. Mm-hmm. He was the one who provided them with guns. And there's mm-hmm. also Grace Lee Boggs, who recently passed away. She she was also a huge figure in black, black power movement. And there's also Yuri Kochiyama, who was one of the greatest ally of Malcolm X. So we... While we recognize that there is a problem, we also have to celebrate and praise the legacies those people have left, because I want other Asian Americans to know that you do have role models. It's not a new thing. Like, we've always been a supporter actually against the larger racism within Asian community for the black cause. And like, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal if you're Asian, just like stand up for the black cause. Others have done it before, you know?
0: Uh, Tammy, what are your final thoughts on this topic and obviously getting to a point of unity and
2: healing? Word. Um, Thank you so much to everyone who's chimed in. Um, My final thoughts are going to be based off of Janae's comments because, honestly, this is a super important question. I saw Kyung answered it, but I really want to get back to it because it's something my community has been talking about. Janae's question was, do you think it's okay for Black people to not take issue with the discrimination the discrimination chinese americans are facing because they feel asians are not speaking up for black people when they face similar discrimination and my wrap-up answer to that is standing by in the face of discrimination and hatred will never be okay and it's petty to think that people in our community are feeling regretful standing up for chinese americans and other asians americans Asian Americans who are being unfairly targeted in the wake of coronavirus. I have someone on the line that I've been dying to shout out this whole time, Christian Damberville. He's a dope ass activist in Boston who commented on one of my posts the other day. Um, he was talking about how sad it is how you know Asians in China have been disrespecting us and kind of putting the sentiment that, you know, he might feel like a fool defending Chinese-Americans and defending against saying the China virus or calling it the China virus. But, you know, we should never feel like a fool for doing what's right. We never should feel like this is something that you know is compromised. We're not children, we're adults. And in the face of organizing, we need to make sure that we're sticking up for what's right, no matter what. And education will always go a long way. So Janae, shout out for that super rad question. For us to make things better, we always need to defend what's right, no mm-hmm. matter what. And keep educating our own communities so that we can eventually hope for a world where our children Children will not face the similar beef and discriminations that we have
0: well said thank you for that Tammy Stanley final thoughts on the topic
1: listen my personal creed and my personal goal is to fight for black liberation. And black liberation doesn't just mean the liberation of certain black people, it means for everyone under the diaspora. And that's why I'm sticking with my Asian siblings, my sisters, and brothers. And I think that we can't have liberation until we are actually working with those communities hand in hand and they're working with us, just like as a black Haitian man. I can't be liberated as a black Haitian person unless I'm working with my Dominican sisters and brothers who, if I'm being honest, my ass is probably Dominican, too. Like, I'm working right there with them. Black liberation is liberation of all people. It's the destruction of all structures of white supremacy. That means no more anti-blackness, no more anti-Asian sentiments, no more xenophobia, none of that stuff. And that's what I'm about. So if that's what I'm about, I'm about all my people, except for white supremacy. That's got to go
0: absolutely and i'll just end by saying this i mean at the root of the matter is whether it's anti black sentiment in china or here in the us it's rooted in white supremacy and it's rooted in people trying to align themselves more closer to whiteness right they feel the way white supremacy has like socialized us and caused us to think that the closer you are to being white the better it is you are the more advantages and more privilege you have in this in all, all over the world. And I think that once we just des- destroy that false ideology and understand that we are more empowered together as a collective, then we will really have the liberation that Stanley is calling for. And you know, to Tammy's point, when she was talking about standing up and being an ally, I actually had that experience. Because when Asian Americans were being, and they continually, they continue, are, they are continue to be discriminated here in the U.S., especially in the midst of the coronavirus. And I read that story about how this Asian man was riding the subway and a black person just pulled out a Febreze bottle and started spraying him. And then we saw there were a number of attacks in California against um, like Asian teenagers. And I thought it was part of my duty to speak up. And a number of people from my community called me out and was like, well, Selena, if you're really all about the liberation of Black people, why are you continuing to ally around a community that's not here for us? And my response was, discrimination is wrong no matter who's being targeted. And I think that if we can get to that mindset and and, and come to that, then we would work together. I mean, we're all communities of color. We need to embrace that. We need to love that. And we need to really work together to, to to destroy white supremacy, which is the real enemy here. So I say that to say there's a lot of work to be done, but thank God we are a part of the solution. Um, I want to thank both of our guests who called in, both Nina and Kong. Your insight was so invaluable, invaluable, so thank you so much for that. I want to thank everyone who also chimed into today's show. And if you're listening via podcast, please share and tag Be Heard Talk. Again, that is Be Heard Talk. And also, you can become a subscriber to our Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash Be Heard Radio. We'll see you again next week, guys. Thank you.